Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of The Bullpen Cart, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. Greg the Prophet, Piatelli, and I recap MLB Week 16. We go through all of our usual business, the hot and cold teams, the top players of the week, some stadium snacks, some great bleacher creatures as we're in the midst of the Little League World Series. There's even a few dad jokes thrown in there. It was a ton of fun to record. Really looking forward to hearing what you guys think. But make sure that you go like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, The Bullpen Cart, on iTunes. Leave us a nice five-star review. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the handle there. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram and Facebook. But again, enjoy this week's episode. Really looking forward to seeing what you guys think in the comments. Enjoy. And we are live. Welcome to this week's edition of the Bullpen Cart, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Kinnell. And with me is my man, all the way up from Boston, Massachusetts, Greg the Prophet Piatelli. How you doing, my man? Wow, that was an electric intro. Hey, man, you know, it's the weekend. You got to stave off the Sunday scary somehow. I mean, I'm just honored to be, you know, after listening to the first two college football pods that you and Matty D did, uh, honored to be invited back. Uh, pumped. Uh, obviously, our boys in Boston are doing pretty well. And uh, things are getting a little tight there for the Yankees, so I'm loving it. <laughs> Yeah, we talked about this two weeks ago, and it has not changed. It's crazy, Greg. The MLB is, is literally the hot stove never never turns off. It's just fun to watch. That's why baseball, not boring, very dramatic. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I hope uh, I hope the Yankees uh, get caught and don't make the playoffs. But It'd be pretty wild. One can dream. As one does. But we are here to talk about the entirety of the major leagues, not just the New York Yankees. Well, let's start hot and cold teams. We'll start in the American League, Greg. I'm going to throw it to you. Who you got for your hot team of the week in the AL? Well, to, without repeating ourselves, because we talk about the Red Sox every single week and how awesome they are, uh, I'm going to go out and say the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Uh, a team that when they peak at the right time, things are going to go great for them as they as they typically do at the end of the season. Possibly the greatest August team ever. August in the last two years. Eight and twelve, uh, or eight and two in their last ten. A twelve-game uh, lead now in their division, uh, plus one thirty-eight, which is much higher than where they were earlier in the season, which is only ten runs differential uh, from the Yankees. So their offense is starting to find it. Uh, big blow with Trevor Bauer going on the DL this uh, yesterday, but or today, but uh, Cleveland Indians are. Definitely a team that uh, peaking and playing good baseball when they need to, as you mentioned. So that's my hot team of the week. Uh, Jordy, who do you got? I'm going with the Oakland Athletics of the American League West. Love they it. are now not in first place. They just lost literally within minutes to the Astros. But because they took two of three in this series – Two or three from the Mariners earlier in the week. They have cemented themselves currently in the uh, second wild card spot behind the Yankees, as you alluded to. 
They are now only, you know, a couple games or really about four games back of the Yanks and only a game back of the Astros. And they've looked nothing but better and better every single week. Their offense is really, really churning out runs. And at times their pitching looks stellar too. They haven't really let up a ton of runs. And when they do that, offense can really crank it up to uh, continue. But, you know, they, they took Justin Verlander a couple times deep today. And, you know, I mean, they, they took two or three granted in Houston, but the Astros are a pretty good road team. So it's a, definitely a big, uh, a big accomplishment there. So you got to be happy if you're an Oakland A's fan, especially as uh, they may be the only team in Oakland in a few years. <laughs> no, and, and we talked about it. They will be, but we talked about it too. The only team that scares me in the American league would be Oakland just because the Red Sox have not beat them this season once and haven't played them obviously <laughs> since April, but uh, they haven't, then they don't play them again, but, um, a team that, that we talked about it last week, uh, or Chris with a K and a team that quietly goes about their business and has that sort of a small ball, money ball, get things done, uh, mentality. And right now they are three games up on Seattle for the second wild card spot. Uh, and, and what, four games behind the Yankees. So, or three games behind the Yankees in the wild card. So, uh, in the top spot. So they definitely have a good shot of making the playoffs. So they continue to play the way they played. And as you mentioned, unbelievable week. And, and you got to win games at home, especially against division team, divisional rivals. And they did that uh, two out of three against the Astros. So absolutely. Do you want to go to cold teams or do you want to go over to the national league? Why don't you give me the cold team? I start with hot. You give me the cold. All right. So my cold of the team of the week uh, it's going to be the Astros just because they had been building up that lead. They now have lost. Uh, they've now curbed that losing streak. But, uh, you know, it's still not the best week for Houston. Uh, Oakland, as we were just talking about, red hot. But Houston just as ice cold to, to squander a bit of that lead. Now have a one-game game, uh, lead on the uh, Oakland A's. But three and seven in their last ten games. And... You know they're uh, they're chipping away. Uh, the run differential, I think, has been lower than the Red Sox, but now it's solidly below the Red Sox. Uh, although they've let up less runs, they just have much less of a prolific offense. Greg, as I'm sure you you know, but uh, I mean, these guys they went on the road. They split a series with the Rockies during this week. They got four games swept by the Mariners. I know I mentioned that last week on the solo pod, but uh, definitely not a good run for them. Uh, they're normally very good at home, and I think they have a lot of home baseball to, still to play. Um, but really, when you, when you look at it, it's it's just a tough pill to swallow if you're a Houston Astros fan. And I'm sure yeah. they're going to be fine and make the playoffs, but right now you, you definitely have to take a step back if you're – AJ Hinch, if you're anybody else and think, is there anything missing here that we need to lock down before we can't add anyone else? Well, here's the thing, right? Is is the Astros were in a position almost a month ago where they thought they didn't have to do anything else the rest of the season and sort of they could make it they could coast to play five five hundred ball and make it into the playoffs. They are playing five hundred ball. The problem is since the all-star break, the problem is the athletics and the Mariners really want to make the playoffs. So uh it's a team that needed a little kick in the gut, and they got one. So they got a little jolt. They got a little, uh, you know, being swept 
being swept uh, at home, right, I believe, by the Mariners. Uh, yes, at home. Yeah, and then losing two out of three now to uh, Oakland on the road. It's just a matter of a team that you can't lose. Uh, you can't lose six games, six out of eight games to two division teams, especially two division teams that are chasing you uh, in a span of two weeks or a week and a half. So for them, you know, it's maybe this is the gut check they needed. Maybe this is the, the sort of shakeup that they needed. Maybe this is the wake-up call, if you will. Uh, if anyone knows, it's me, the hardest thing to do, uh, being a Patriot fan, obviously, is, is to repeat and you know the Patriots time and time again repeat and at the same time you know they it's a struggle every year you know everyone always talks about the Patriots on cruise control until the playoffs and Houston this may backfire on them and uh, personally I would love if Houston uh, won their division so that the Red Sox could either play the Yankees or the Athletics but in the first round, uh, but that's selfish of me. But I love your cold team here, Jordy, and, and outside of picking the Blue Jays, the Orioles, who, or even the Kansas City Royals, bottom of the barrel uh, or bottom of the division teams that, that also had terrible weeks, Blue Jays losing four game, four in a row, um, you know, I'm going to go with the uh, Astros as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely uh, an easy one to pick, especially uh, as you mentioned, really, of teams competing because – you know, we can't even try to pick. We started off talking about the Yankees, but they've won three straight. Uh, really a, a big weekend for them that they needed. And, you know, they're they're still hanging in there with that first wild card spot. And uh, the Astros and the Athletics aren't – or the Athletics and the, the Mariners aren't going away. So well, the Yankees funny. really do need to beat those teams all on the schedule. So Yeah, it's funny. And since the, since the four-game sweep at Fenway, the Yankees have only lost three games or so. They've been on a little bit of a mini run here in the yeah. last couple of weeks and just tearing the cover off the ball. And John Carlos finally hitting, hitting home runs for that team. Um, but they're still nine and a half games back. But, yeah, anyway, love Did it. Did they consult Big Al to hit some dingers? <laughs> they need to do something. He's from Staten Island. Right there. They have a minor league team there. Not wrong. <clears throat> Jordy. Yeah. Hot team of the week. National League. I started with the American League. Give me your hot team of the week for the National League. Uh, it's going to be the Colorado Rockies. Mm-hmm. They are eight and two in their last ten. Winners of four straight baseball games. Uh, thankfully for me, as a Phillies fan, they were all against the Atlanta Braves, which means Greg, if the Phillies win tonight, they are back in first place. Let's go, baby! But not just because they helped out my Philadelphia Phillies so well. They did this all on the road. They split a series in Houston with the Astros. Granted, they're loss was a 12-1 loss then they go down to atlanta and win 5-3 11-5 5-3 and 4-2 um and that's something that you if you're a colorado rockies fan a couple weeks ago you might have been pretty concerned i think we used them as a a cold team of the week a couple years ago or a couple weeks ago greg uh the run differential still in the negative which isn't great but we talk about a lot with their home, with their home ballpark. They're going to let up a lot of runs, but they keep pace offensively, and they can do that with a team like Atlanta, who leads the National League in runs scored uh, and one of the better teams in runs against. Um, hilariously, only the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks are, and the Cubs are, are teams that really have better uh, runs against than the Braves in the NL. But still. Um, a team like the Rockies who have scored more runs than the Diamondbacks, a team whose offense we always talk about. They're only six runs back against the Cubs, a team, you know, that that 
can tear the cover off the ball and 14 runs behind a team that they just four games swept. I mean, if their pitching gets it going, their offense can carry them to the stratosphere and beyond. Yeah, and, and a couple weeks ago we were talking about how the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks really were, were starting to run away with that division and the Rockies better look out or else they'd be gone. And, and they are now brought themselves back not only in their uh, NL West race but also the wild card race um, right now they have the second wild card spot um, but tied with whatever NL East team is there. But so that's, I mean, good for them. They're playing hot baseball. Jordy, I love it. Uh, my hot team of the week is going to be the St. Louis Cardinals who are yep. only a half a game back out of, uh, out of that, that wild card, second wild card spot, a team that over the last two weeks has been playing unreal baseball. Um, their record, you know, speaks for itself, and they won winners of the last eight of the last ten, um, including two out of three on the Brewers, who is coincidentally the team in front of them in the standings in the NL Central. Um, so they're the Cubs don't look out here. The Cubs need to stop playing 500 baseball because the Cardinals and the Brewers are, are picking things up, and they're certainly on the heels and, and nipping to get back in this thing. Um, and the Cardinals, the team that quietly always – is there right? They quietly exactly. do business and always make it. And uh, they even took three out of four from your Rockies um, a couple weeks ago, and took three out of four from the Nationals, two out of three from the Brewers. So um, my hot team of the week would be St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely. And just to kind of continue off of yours, they swept the Royals, took two or three from the Marlins, uh, took two or three from the Pirates on the road, beat, took three or four from the Rockies. Right before that, two or three from the Cubs in St. Louis. So, I mean, these guys are heating up. Matt Carpenter's tearing the, tearing the cover off the ball. Jose Martinez is, is getting on base. Miles Mikolas getting and, you know a number of wins. He's up to 13 now in an ERA sub three. So, I mean, these guys are playing great baseball. And like you said, doing it quietly because the Cubs, their run differential starting to contract a little bit, which is why I, I paused for a second. I was about to say a team that – has this incredible run differential and yada, 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 but it's contracted a little bit. And it's part of it's this 500 baseball you're talking about. I mean, and the crazy thing about this whole NL wildcard chase is that the Brewers, the first one at 69 and 57, then it's technically the Phillies at 68 and 55, the Rockies at 68 and 56. Then you have the, the Cardinals at 68 and 57. So, I mean, this is just, all a big jumble mess. The Dodgers are right there. The Pirates still aren't that far out. I mean, they're still hanging in there. Um, and the Nationals even aren't that far out. I mean, they're they're now back under 500, and, and we might talk about them in a second. But if they figure something out, which we keep saying, so I mean, how much more can we be saying this? But <laughs> the National League wild card race is pretty jumbled up. Oh, for sure. And and as you mentioned. Things are things aren't going great for the Nationals, and they definitely need uh, definitely need to make a move here on the waiver wire. And um, di- well, we yeah, we can talk about it in a second. But Jordy, give me your cold team. Yeah, it's gonna be. I'm gonna pick the. I'm gonna pick the Dodgers, but I think I don't. If you don't pick the Nationals, we'll we'll come back to them as an honorable mention. The Dodgers, though, need to be talked about. They were a team similar to the Cubs that. And the the Astros that 
seemed like they were starting to figure it all out, especially once we hit the halfway mark of the season. And they're just coming off of taking two or three from the Mariners in Seattle. But at the same time, they are, you know, really, they've been really cold. They lost two or three at home to the Giants. They had that big brawl, of course, earlier in the week, Uh, lost three or four in Colorado last weekend. And all of a sudden they find themselves two games back in the division. Uh, Technically, I think it's, two and a half back of the wild card. And, you know, they, they have the best run differential in the NL. They have the best pitching staff in the NL um, at 480 in in terms of runs against. So, I mean, something is going to click for them. I I don't think we should be writing them off even to the slightest degree, but uh, definitely need to work worth talking about because with a Rocky team that surged up and, snagged back a piece of first place and a Dodgers team that's ice cold. Uh, it's definitely sort of something worth mentioning. Yeah. And do you think that the fact that they have all these, you know, we talk about how it's a good thing that they have all these guys who can play a million different positions or they have too much talent almost. Do you think that's hurting them to a point? Because those guys aren't getting reps, you know, they're not getting everyday starts. They're not getting, they're playing every other day. You know, do you think that's hurting them all this, this quote unquote talent that, that we've been talking about? Potentially. I mean, I'm pulling up their stats now to see how many would technically qualify for a batting title. And they have a number of guys. I mean, obviously they've had a number of injuries too, but they have four hitters that would qualify for the batting title. They have, if you include tiny number. Yeah. Very small number. Uh, If you include Puig, who's in 94 games, it's just him, Jock Peterson and, and Kike Hernandez who are, you know, at another, at a closer number in terms of at-bats and all that stuff. They all have plus 300 ABs. Logan Forsythe's up there. Austin Barnes is getting up there. He's a catcher, so he sits a little bit. Chase Utley comes off the bench. He's at 146. And, and then that's really the next highest is is Chase. And then Manny Machado's there. He's at one 117, and he's starting to, you know, and he's it looks like he's starting to get it together a little more. But since getting acquired a month ago, uh, almost a month ago, he – has he's batting 265 he has four homers and 10 ribbies so you have to think if he turns it up uh he'll be an impact but one thing i saw and it might have been and it was i forget where i saw it he doesn't have been what what was that he doesn't play enough he doesn't well it might not be that he doesn't play enough but his career numbers greg i saw this from i can't remember if it was a philly writer or not after the phillies didn't get him but his numbers at Camden Yards versus away from Camden Yards, the difference is astounding. He hits like 30 or 40 points better in Baltimore than he does anywhere else in any other major league park. Yeah, that is, I mean, I guess home cooking, but you would hope he'd be able to figure it out uh, the other way as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I don't think that's exactly what's wrong with him. I think it's just probably trying to figure out a new team, but that's a good point. I mean, Justin Turner's coming back soon. If he isn't back already, um, I'm going to double check that, but you know, I think injuries certainly have been a part of it. Yeah. He's and he is back. I should have double checked that, but you know, it's, I think trying to sift through all the different injuries and everything is, is certainly something that's tough. Yeah. But like at the same time, you know, you're talking about a team that, you know, we were, I'm not going to say who on this pod- podcast, but someone on this podcast was uh, 
commending them for how much how much depth and talent they I have. still do and it's a it's a it fine is, point to say it's a fine point to say that they might not be getting enough reps but you know I think I mean that baseball's you know I mean baseball is such a timing sport thing it's such a rhythm type sport thing and they're sure. getting the starting pitching because they're starting pitching plays on a regular basis but how how is it August and you only have four guys who who qualify for any type of postseason award because everyone else just hasn't had enough of bats. Like that's not at the end of the day, that's not good. I should also pour No, I, I, uh, I agree with you. It's, it's not good, but and like it's Matt also Monty. not necessary. I think it's not entirely, uh, you know, one, one, you know, six year, one half dozen. The other is, is, but like Max, you know, Max Muncy, they're, they're, their best hitter at the all-star break turned around and, and I forgot to include him on that plus 300. So thank you. But he doesn't even play that much. He's like, he's like every, every, like he plays two, sit two. like this. It's just wild to me that. Sure. No, it is. It is crazy. And I guess if you want to get it, get teams into a rhythm, it's, or get, get a team into a rhythm. It's something that you could try to do. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you fix the Dodgers if it's, you know, one way or the other. I should also point out Logan Forsyth got traded for Brian Dozier. So uh, correct me from earlier. But no, to your point, it's something if you can, if something isn't clicking and you just keep trying to tink, you keep tinkering with it, uh, you can't necessarily figure out what the control is that, that, you know, in the science experiment to figure out what to keep doing. But, you know, I, I mean, Gabe Kapler did it for a while with the Phillies offense, and it's worked out decently enough for them. So I can't really har- I can't really chop you know chop the theory too much. Yeah, but I feel like he gets guys at bats regardless, right? He tries to. I mean, like a guy like Scott Kingery, he he likes to use his bench throughout the game. I'll put it that way. He likes to use up his bench if he uh, if he needs to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my cold team of the week, Jordy, is unless you have something else to say, I'm going with the entire National League East, the top three teams uh, in the National League. I'm, you know what? I'm going to go with every single National League East team, including the bottom two. All five teams. I'm putting them all on notice. Uh, the Phillies and the Braves. You're out here. The Nationals are essentially handing you, handing you this division. And neither neither team can really grab it by the horns and run away with it. Uh, the the Nationals are certainly doing their part by playing literally below 500 baseball, 62 and 63. They're seven games behind or seven games out of the lead, and have three winners of three of their last seven games. They are literally playing below 500 baseball, and neither the Phillies or the Braves can take over this division because guess what, the Braves are playing 500 baseball, five for five, last 10, the Phillies four for six, and the Braves just got swept in a four-game series at home. Uh, and then you're talking about the Mets, who are the Mets and dismal, but six and four, not great. And the Marlins, three and seven, there's been a fire sale since Jeter took over. So the whole entire division, the first time it's ever been done on this podcast for certain, uh, I'm putting the entire National League East division because, again, Jordy, the top two teams, 
the Phillies and Braves. The Nationals are literally hitting this division on a silver platter, and not one of them wants to take it over. Not one of them wants to to win. Not one of them wants to distance themselves from the wild card or distance themselves from the rest of the division and actually take command and, and win the division. It's just baffling to me. So, do you want to talk about the Braves? Because we're going to talk about the Phillies in a bit. Just because I agree with you on both on both accounts that the the either team should have taken full advantage, and I'll talk a little Braves because I there are some bits and pieces of their team that you have to uh, you know tip your cap to. But losing four straight to the Rockies, and we went over those scores before, especially when they had seemed so red hot, Greg. They four games swept the Marlins at the beginning of this week. They had a doubleheader on Monday. Then they killed them on Tuesday, 10-6, and then won 5-2 on Wednesday. Then previously before that, they took two or three from the Brewers. So to go ice cold like that in a in the middle of a homestand when it looks like you're buzzing, I know there's all the different stuff with you know Acuna getting beamed and whether or not that might have shaken them up, but Acuna still played. During this during this series, it's not like they lost him and there's yeah and he their hit, he hit four straight went, he hit four straight leadoff home runs yeah well that was before the Colorado series I'm t- I'm talking about in the series specifically right. he still played in it after getting beaned and got removed from the beginning of the game where they had a fight and then he comes back and goes not to steal my hot player of the week but he goes five for fifteen on the series he bats three thirty three gets his batting average up to two ninety and only struck out three times and still stole two bases I mean it's not like that what I'm saying is it's not like that took the wind out of their sails you know we lost to Cunha and our teams stinks no that's not the case at all something happened there I mean Colorado we talked about their offense and what they can be doing but Atlanta you know, are they are they showing their youth? Is it a pitching thing? Um, I I'm not really entirely sure because a guy like Mike Fulton Wise, who started the season off so hot, has been so cold in the second half of the season. And Nick Marquette, as you say, the same thing. But here's what it is, Jordy. Here's what it is. Yeah. Let's look at their last month, for example. Right, Marlins, terrible team. They won that series. Mets, terrible team. They won that series. Nationals. Playing below 500 baseballs, they split with them. Braves, or Brewers, decent team, potential playoff team, but out of it for now. They they took two out of three from them at home. Fine. Marlins, terrible team. They lost. They won four in a row. Rockies, a team that a buzzsaw right now, super hot team. Uh, same record as the Brewers, and they got swept four in a row. Their play, their their month, their this month of April or August has been, you could argue, very easy for them. Uh, sure. Going back, they played the Dodgers. They lost three out of four of the Dodgers. Uh, so this whole month of August, uh, every team I just listed, they played. You played the Marlins three times. You played the Mets twice, and there's a reason why they had a good month of August because all those teams are trash. And guess who they're playing next? Pittsburgh Pirates trash. Miami Marlins trash. Tampa Bay Rays. They don't have. They don't have three starters, let alone two. So, and then Pittsburgh Pirates, and then they get the Red Sox. So, the rest of August is just as easy. And then they start September with the Pirates and the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks. So, their their schedule is very easy, and there's a chance for them to turn around and win this division just based on the fact that they have an easy schedule coming down the stretch. Yeah, they run into the Phillies twice. 
uh, two separate series. But the that's the only reason why this team would win because their schedule is so easy. But guess what? They when they have they come into a playoff team, they they get trounced. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you can't really argue that. I mean, it's not like the Phillies who can split it with the uh, the best team in the bigs. Exactly. But twice on the road and at home. Yeah, but and we can talk about the Phillies falterings and squanderings of opportunities in a minute. But no, I, I agree. I mean, Atlanta, Atlanta, Washington, you can make the same argument, even though they had some injuries that they the rest of the division isn't very strong. And this is sort of it's what we always saw from the Nationals in the last, what, five years of where they'd have this large division lead. They'd be one of the first teams to claim to claim the uh, division crown, and then they get bounced out of the first round really quickly and never made an NLCS during this entire span with with Strasburg, with Harper, and then with, with what's-his-face, with Scherzer. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's what we're seeing here and just how young this Atlanta team is and whether or not they can you know step it up when the, the games really matter. I mean, who knows? The Phillies are in a similar boat, but we'll, we'll get to them when we get to Phillies talk. But that's a really good pick. I mean, the the entire top half of the division, and really the Nationals really had an opportunity to try to claw their way back in. 100%. With both teams playing terribly. And this was always the concern when in June and May when the Phillies and Braves were battling for first place and the Nationals had been, had been starting their downslide was you need to keep it going while the Nationals are cold and the Nationals aren't doing that. They're really missing that opportunity. Yeah, and not for nothing, but the Nationals, like you said, they had a chance to do some damage. And, yeah, they played the Cubs and Cardinals, but they got swept by the Cardinals. And they lost two out of three to the Cubs. And then they split with the Miami Marlins. You can't win a division when you split with the Miami Marlins on a regular basis. Um, uh, the ent- I'm, I'm not just doing the top half of the NL East, Jordy. I'm doing the all of the NL East. Oh, sure, sure. Higher National League East division for this week. Cold teams of the week, Jordy. What's next? I'm Let's fired do up. top players of the week. I'm fired up. You need to be more fired up. I'm bringing the juice right now. You need to, you need to bring the juice. Hey, you know, some, there always needs to be the straight man to the, to the Kramer. There needs to be the Jerry to the Cosmo. <laughs> Listen, I know you're freaking out because uh, the Phillies are playing right now and they're playing. They're losing, and they're playing in another little league park. But they should be used to this. That's where they play every every single home game. So, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> uh, top players, the Roy Hobbs MVP of the week. will start in the AL. Hmm. Greg, who you got? Well, okay, I'm gonna go with Jed Lowry um, from the Ooh. Oakland Athletics. Uh, in a huge series they had with the Houston, Ast- Houston Astros, um, ended up two home runs, eight, yes, eight RBIs, uh, and scored five runs himself. So manufactured runs as well as brought some in. Great week for him, uh, about a 357. Um, I had another honorable mention, but hopefully uh, we'll see if you take him or not. But uh, Jed Lowry uh, from the Oakland Athletics, who Hell, it was a huge part in uh, helping them beat two, take two out of three from the Houston Astros. No, I like it a lot. I like that pick a lot. I am going to go with Nick Castellanos right. of the Detroit Tigers, a guy who I still am a little – I'm still thinking he might get 
moved and still a little shocked he hasn't been. But two homers, 10 ribbies on the week, uh, 10 for 24, about at 417, 500 on base percentage. Uh, he really has been, you know, tearing the cover off the ball really all season. He's been banged up a little bit here and there, but a guy that uh, that Tigers team that really doesn't have a lot to look at can depend on. So good on him. Thought he should get some recognition. Great pick, Jordy. Great pick. Uh, uh, who's your honorable mention? Well, Miguel Andujar from the New York Yankees, simply uh, because, uh, you know, I can I don't have to be a homer when when the Yankees are so terrible as they are now. Um, even though they're not terrible, just the Red Sox are playing unbelievable. But uh, ten RBIs in the last seven days, um, so three home runs, six six scored runs himself. So uh, same thing with Jed Lowry. Big I'm big on scoring runs as well as RBI the whole thing. So uh, huge huge week for him. Jordy, any any honorable mentions before we move on here to the uh, National League? Uh, the other one I wanted to mention, just because he had a good week batting, although not a ton of run production, was Whit Merrifield. But that sort of what did it for me was that he didn't score or drive in a lot of runs, three three on each there. Um, and also, he's a big stolen base guy, and he went one for two in stolen bases. So right. a, little, a little shaky for me and why I didn't pick him. Come on. <laughs> Jordy, since uh, you already gave us a little preview of your National League Player of the Week, why don't you uh, go ahead and – Make it official. Yeah, it's Ronald Acuna Jr. He uh, had himself a big, big week. I'm. We mentioned it. He had four straight games. The youngest player to do that with a home run, and then he he topped it off by hitting two more on Tuesday. So five straight games of the homer, six homers in five days. Uh, he was then beamed in the hand on like the second pitch of the game on Wednesday and there was a big brawl and all that stuff. Uh, and then I mentioned he comes back, plays the entire series against the Colorado Rockies and goes through five for 15 brings his batting average up from 288 to 290. He had a couple walks in there. I mean, the guy, you know, he's a young stud. He's going to be a guy that's going to be garnering MVP votes in the national league for years to come. And uh, definitely somebody I worry about as a Phillies fan. Yeah, I love it. Um, great pick. Hard to pick against him. Uh, I, I mean, what can be said that hasn't been said before? You know, that's, that you just said. Um, and really, you know, the youth movement in baseball, he's just another one of those guys. Um, I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, last one. seven last seven days hitting 538, Jordy. Ten RBIs. Seven runs himself scored and four home runs and a stolen base. Just absolutely mashing the ball. Um, Murder. 1.69 OPS. Uh, last seven games for the Arizona team that he always seems to show up in an Arizona team that is now leading the NL West, and he always seems to show up come April, September. Uh, so Paul Goldschmidt, uh, you know, he, he's won an MVP, correct, or no? Mm, I don't know if he has. Well, he's he's like one of those guys who's always he's gotten like, close. I don't think he's won though. I feel like he's in the conversation every single year, and and certainly a yeah, team. He's a, he's a consummate Silver Slugger nominee, though. Right, and 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 Gold Glove winner. I'm looking at this now. He has two Gold Gloves. Yeah, no, and he's 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 one of those guys who deserves more recognition than he gets, but had an unbelievable week here. 
Um, and for a, an Arizona team, like I mentioned, that is holding off the Rockies by the skin of their teeth right now. Um, and obviously holding off the Dodgers too. So that's my hot player of the week, hitter of the oh, week. I love it. And before we move on, I wanted to ask you, because I've had, the, I've talked to, I've, pr- I've asked people this before. Do you ever find it interesting that we value the RBI more than the run scored? Whereas in other sports like soccer or hockey, it's goals. You actually scoring versus the assist, the person who helped help you score versus the RBI you could argue is an assist and the run scored is the goal itself. So here's my counter argument. In hockey and soccer and hockey, yeah, hockey and soccer, you still have to make a play to score, right? You still have to shoot the puck or you still have to shoot the ball. Like you still have to do something with it to score, especially in hockey. Like I could be the last person to touch a puck. You could skate around five guys and score a goal and I get an assist. Whereas in baseball, it's very much, if you're on second base, you are literally not going anywhere unless you steal, steal third and steal home. You literally are not moving off second base unless someone knocks. Or if there's a wild pitch. Right, right. But the point is that you are not doing – it's someone else that, like, a wild pitch is a pitcher's fault. Or so the, so the run scored is what you're telling me is how many times do you get to be the ball? It, yeah, exactly. No, 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 So, like, again, you could stand on second for – you know, how, many, how often does it happen in the Phillies? You know, you got guys stand on second with zero outs and he doesn't do it. He goes nowhere for the rest of the inning because no one gets a hit or anything happens. So uh, baseball is so much more the guy at the plate make. Yes, the guy has to be on in order to drive someone in, but which is why Mookie Betts' RBIs are down because he's bad first. You know, he bats first in the lineup and it is what it is. But the whole separate story, whole separate conversation. I hope I, uh, I hope I swayed you in, in, in that. If not, Jordy, let's hear a, let's hear an argument. No, no, no. I've, I've always heard that argument and I agree to it to a certain extent. Uh, and I, I think the being the ball argument is probably the, the best way to put it. It's just interesting that those are the stats that we look at and it makes sense why the RBI is valued more. I've just always thought if you think of it just on the basic concept of who's scoring and who's doing the, the assisting there. Oh, yeah, I mean, let's let's. I mean, how often is how often does someone steal home? How often does does someone? I mean, think about it. If you, if you get on, let's say you get a single, you steal second, you steal third, and then you steal home. You could argue that that is more valuable, sure, than than the guy than you know hitting a single and continually hitting singles until people come in. Because you're essentially manufacturing your own run. But how often does that happen? If ever. Oh, it's true. It's a good argument. And no, it's just, uh, I always think that's interesting. It's, uh, I just wanted to bring up the concept and I'm glad we had a nice little uh, little chat on it. <laughs> oh, Jordy, pitcher of the week, American League. Uh, I'm going to go with starting pitcher from the Cleveland Indians, Carlos Carrasco. Um, Great pick. Thank you, Jordy. Um, <laughs> so, 
Two starts, two wins, 15 Ks, zero earned runs with a .5 whip. Um, unbelievable week for him uh, as well as on, it's on my hot team of the week. So a little trend there. Uh, and, I mean, I couldn't have planned it better myself if I tried. No, I like it a lot. I'm going to go with one of my personal favorite players, Cole Hamels. Oh, no, shit. He's in the National League now. God damn it with this double listing of teams. Um I am going to go, though, with Alex Cobb of the Baltimore Orioles, another guy that he's had the highest highs and the lowest lows this season. But this week, higher highs. Six pitch has a eight and 1.69. It's more Orioles who are not good. Uh, but a guy, again, when he's on, he could be a guy that, that – you might want to bring in if you're a playoff contending team and really you can get them for nothing, uh, especially where the, uh, you know, where the, the pitching market is currently, you could probably get them for not a lot or if not nothing and, and either use him as a fifth starter or a long-term relief guy in the playoffs. So he might be uh, building up his trade value with about 12 days to go on the trade deadline or waiver date trade deadline. I was say waiver trade. Um, great pick, Jordy. Great pick. Yeah. Um, I have a great bullpen guy, so I hope you're ready to bring it. You want to do bullpen American League? Sure. Do you want to go first? Uh, you can go first because I know that this is let's, let's this is one can, close to your heart, so I want you to pick. Let's see if you can snuff out my bullpen guy since you're such a such a great potter with the bullpen. Is it Ryan Brazier of your Boston Red Sox? No. Oh. Like I don't know who you got. Blake Trennan of the Oakland Athletics. Oh. Three saves, one win, 10 Ks in the last seven games, and zero ERA. Oh, I like it. Four innings pitch, one win, three saves, 10 strikeouts. Can we also talk about Fernando Rodney and how good he's been for the, the Oakland Athletics since coming over there? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he had another great week, uh, picked up a win, yeah. and had two holes for them, and, and a guy who used to be a closer and now – Switched to a setup guy and and is doing his job pretty well. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, no, no. I just I wanted to throw that out there just as to further cement your uh, chest pounding of the Oakland Athletics since you're picking so many of their players. Uh, yeah, I picked the Cleveland Indians. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you, you pick it's two now. That's two players. Sometimes most of the time it's it's a Red Sox player. So I wanted to. Pat me on the back. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, pat you on the back for picking, you know, giving love to another team. Jed Lauer used to be on the Red Sox, so we'll call it a we'll call it one and a half. Jordy, oh. National League Pitcher of the Week, who you got? Uh, National League Pitcher Starter of the Week for me. I kind of blew it, but it's going to be Cole Hamels. I do want to point out Mike Fulton-Wise struggled mainly because he, uh, he just had a couple issues finding the plate. Um, but Cole Hamels this week, really since coming over to the Cubs, has been awesome, and this week he only let up one run. He had a whip, the same as ERA. Both were .64, 12 Ks, one and zero. I believe the Cubs won both of his starts. Um, so I mean, really, you know, they're they're really getting a, a lot of what they traded for, and you know, I mean, I'm excited to see him do a lot for them. And they've actually won all four of his starts since coming over there. His ERA, Greg in the national league in 2018 is 0.72. Uh, 
um, which brings his ERA from the American League of 4.72 down to 4.0 on the season. So uh, good for Cole Hamels that he's starting to find more and more life. And, you know, another one of those guys who didn't he get traded? Didn't he get traded somewhere as well midseason and have an unbelievable finish? He did. He got traded from the Phillies to the Rangers, and it helped propel the Rangers into the playoffs three I years feel like ago. That's, I feel like that's just his thing. Um, yeah. Great pick, Jordy. Great pick. I'm going with Jacob DeGrom. Ooh. No, no, no. It's good. He he dazzled the Phillies yesterday. Yeah. Uh, two starts this week. 15.2 innings pitch. 21 strikeouts. Two wins. Uh, 1.15 ERA. I only picked him over Scherzer because he did – he did throw more innings and got both wins. Uh, Scherzer had 18 Ks and zero earned, but uh, Degrom, uh, the lone spotlight on the in the for the New York Mets, if you will. Yeah, he um, outside of outside of tonight's win. Well, uh, you're forgetting Thursday, great the game one of Thursday, but yeah, Degrom, 21 strikeouts, like you mentioned yesterday, uh, really just dummy the Phillies left and right. And what's so amazing about it too is that there was a bit of a rain delay. So he even had to sit down and kind of cool off from the adrenaline. Uh, a lot of the times when you see that with starting pitchers, they'll try to come back out and, you know, maybe they'll make it a few more innings, but sometimes that really, you know, puts the kibosh on them trying to go the distance. And he was able to do that. The Phillies were only able to get three hits off of him. Uh, he's not let up any earned runs against the Phillies. He did have an unearned run uh, in just a series that has more errors than you'd see in a typical soccer match um, between any of these games from both sides, the Phillies, especially terrible, but the Mets not helping him up too much else either. Uh, and it really just shows in terms of how he's done statistically, um, how many earn unearned runs that he has against him. But the fact that he's been so dominant on this team and that that hasn't affected him negatively is just fantastic. And I, you got to give him all the different props. He's up to 200 strikeouts on the year. Uh, I don't think he'd get to 300. That'd be quite a month of September and end of, uh, end of August, but um, he can definitely get to 250. I'm sure of that. Is he a free agent or anything? Or is he just, is he playing for anything or is he just this good? Uh, he is this good. I don't know if he's a free agent or not. I don't think he's 30. Um, so I don't know if he, if he's coming up, I think you might get him for another year. Um, if he were to, if you were to trade for him, in other words, but yeah. I, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a free agent. It's tough. You always feel bad for guys like him or Joey Votto or, or, you know, guys who just are way better than the teams they're on, if you will. Um, yeah. And I mean, even Machado for a while, but it's just a waste. A waste. No, it absolutely is. And I'm looking up DeGrom's contract right now to see what we got. Um, he's eligible for arbitration in his third year of arbitration this winter. Uh, and then he would be again in 2020 and then is an unrestricted free agent in 2021. Nice. Yeah. Jordy, you, uh, got any bullpen guys for the uh, national league or am I going to have to carry that one too? Uh, I do have someone you go quickly while I get out of this Jacob deGrom contract page. <laughs> it's well, slowing my computer down. So please fire away. Fire away, fire away. I'm going with Wade Davis, pitcher from the Colorado Rockies. Uh, 6Ks, zero earned runs, three saves, and one win in five innings of work in the last seven days. Uh, again, love the closers, um, but more importantly, 
the ERA being down and the strikeouts being uh, somewhat high was huge for him. So easy choice for me for for bullpen guy um, Wade Davis from Colorado Rockies. Oh, that's a great pick. I like that a lot. Thank you. I'm gonna go with a guy that another guy that that went a little bit under the wire in terms of getting traded, and that's Brad Brack of the Atlanta Braves. He uh, in this past week had a couple different saves. Uh, he actually had a blow or a couple different holds. He actually did have a blown save. It technically wasn't his fault uh, as the, all the runs were unearned and one of the Braves lost to the Colorado Rockies, but this guy really has done everything that he can to help the, to help out his team and let up his first runs as a brave today. And he got traded about a month ago. So, I mean, the fact that he's made, he's only made eight, nine appearances, but still acquired up five different holds, a couple of them this week. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely been a good addition for the team. And, and really, if you know, you're looking at that, we were talking about this before guys that were established, he obviously had taken over the, the reins for Zach Britton while he had been hurt in Baltimore. And, you know, he's, he's been an excellent addition to that team and one that, could be a nice difference maker if the as the Braves you know continue down the uh, the pennant chase. Yeah, great pick, Jordy, and and it's frustrating that the Braves aren't uh, recognizing and using uh, their talent uh, the right way. Uh, unlike Gabe the Babe, who's just been an absolute mastermind, putting uh, taking this seemingly this Philly team that was supposed supposed to finish nowhere near the top uh, and putting them in the top. So good for Gabe the Babe and. Uh, Terrible job by the Braves uh, leadership yeah. there. So, is it, do you want to move on to the to Phillies talk? I mean, that was just a great transition, and you just blunt it was it. a great transition. Let's do so, it. So, the Phillies this week it's been uh it's been streaky, Greg. It's been streaky, three yeah. and three right now. Currently losing to the Mets, trying to win this five game series that uh, started off on a really, really, really low note. So, Jordy, since uh, the solo pod last week, we got a lot of Phillies. We did. I was wondering if I could, this week, ask you questions as an outsider, and you could answer sure. them as a an expert. Okay. I like this idea. So, let's start with, let's, let's start with the obvious. A team that splits with the Red Sox, obviously the best team in baseball, if not the best team ever assembled, like Chris Sale said. And right before that... Ticket puncher. (laughs) And right before that, splits or loses two out of three to the Padres. And loses two out of three to the Diamondbacks. Should have won that first game, but neither here nor there. So, as an expert, can you explain why this Phillies team plays up and down to their competition and is not able to win the games they need to win in terms of beating teams that they – winning series, I should say, because baseball – winning series against teams that are below 500 and teams that they should win series against, i.e. the San Diego Padres. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest part of it is they're, they cannot travel outside of Citizens Bank Park. It might be a part of the reason why their bats are cold today. Uh, the Phillies – I talked about it a little bit last week – have the best home record in the National League. Uh, they are now two and a half games up on the Cubs. Is this comparatively to the friendly confines of Wrigley? And only two teams in the American League have better home records than the Phillies. Those are 
the New York Yankees and your Boston Red Sox. Um, away, the Phillies are 27 and 34, same as they were last week, seven games under 500. And even if you moved that to 500, Greg, if you made that even sub 500, if you made it 30 and 31, they would be three games up on the Braves. They cannot play away from home for whatever reason. They do not travel well. Their bats go ice cold. It's not their pitching by any stretch of the imagination. I saw a stat, I think it was on Thursday night's game, that the the Phillies had the fifth best pitching war in baseball. Uh, I forget who three and four were. I think the Red Sox were number one. The Mets were number two, hilariously, because of how good Jacob deGrom's been. <laughs> uh, I think Noah Syndergaard helps, too. I'd need to see the full math. But um, their pitching's great. And if you look at some of these away losses, um, you know some of them are pretty close. I mean, there's the 9-3 Arietta loss in San Diego that stands out. But look at this. Vince Velasquez, who's shaky, and you might expect to, to get blown up by an Arizona Diamondbacks team. Uh, he does the 3-2 game. I mentioned that first game they should have won. They had plenty of opportunities there. For whatever reason, they can't get it going. And, and even last night against Jacob deGrom, they fall to, an, to a quality pitcher, but they got a rally going and dumb mistakes just really stifle this team. A lot of the times you see it in the field, but last night it was Odubel Herrera taking a step towards second base and then having to get tagged and then getting tagged out on an error. He, took, he thought about it and then kind of sauntered back, then realized they could tag him and got tagged out. I mean, that's it sometimes, but I mean, uh, it could come down to a little bit of tinkering, and at home you at least feel a little more comfortable there uh, to come back to your Dodgers point because they do that, and they're starting to do it more with the reemergence of Roman Quinn, the addition of, of Wilson Ramos, of Justin Bohr, and it works out at times. It worked out well against the Red Sox on Wednesday, you give both Justin Bohr and Wilson Ramos their first starts as Phillies, and they come out and they score a ton of runs against the Red Sox and then still make it a fucking you know heartbeater at the end of the game. Same thing Thursday night in the second game after getting blown out 24 to four on a great Zach Eflin night. But you know, uh, I think the comfort of being at home helps them to a degree that that I guess when tinkering with the tinkering and the errors and all that happens that they can at least feel confident they can come back from. Whereas on the road, they don't feel that comfort, uh, comfortable to do so. Jordy, I was just counting and they have the Phillies have 20 road games and 19 home games left in the season. Yeah. And in order for them to make the playoffs and make a run, they are going to have to, obviously win on the road because they can't go 19 and 20 and make the playoffs. That's just unrealistic and, and not going to happen for them. So they got to figure it out. They absolutely do. I mean, and like I said, I don't know if it's figuring something out on some sort of confidence level of, of when you leave citizens bank park of, of how to, you know, how to come out, how to come out strong. I mean, I guess the one thing that you can at least, you know, count your blessings for is that of a lot of those road series, actually everyone but the Rockies as their very last one at the end of September, 
they're all against divisional opponents. So you've played there at least, or actually they play there in Canada next weekend. So two of their two, only two more places that they haven't been to yet this year. So at least you can be confident. Like they've gone to Washington and scored a ton of runs there. They've played decently well in Atlanta. They've played decently well in New York. Miami's tripped them up, but in Miami, I mean, they've killed them in, in Philadelphia, but I mean, there's at least that level of confidence there. So they just got to, they got to figure something out. And if it's a confidence thing, I think that that can easily, easily be fixed, but their pitching has been so good that their bats need to feel some weight that they need to pick up. Yeah, no, I I love that point. It's just, it's one of those things where, you know, they talk about, like talk about their end of the end of the end of the end of September schedule here, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, they go on the road to Atlanta, to Colorado, both teams that are going to be in the playoff on potentially. Uh, and then obviously finish in finish at home versus the Braves. But you I mean, like you mentioned, you're playing the, the Marlins, the Mets, the Nationals, the Marlins, the Mets, the Braves, then the Rockies, then the Braves. So literally they're finishing their season with divisional opponents only. And that is going to help them, as you mentioned, because what's their record versus, versus the division this year? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? I don't. I can pull it up as you finish your point. Yeah, no. So the point is that like the, the, the whole uh, – they've already played their thing. Definitely – uh, could work to their advantage and, and Washington being so close and the Mets being so close. And I mean, Atlanta is obviously a flight and Miami is obviously a flight, but if they're a team that has proven they can win in those places, uh, as you mentioned, then their confidence should be right there and their confidence should be fine. My only fear is that they're going to start being a little nervous here because, you know, they don't have the experience and they're going to start gripping the bats a little tight. But uh, if, if Gabe, the babe could keep things fun and loose for them and, and Arietta can really uh, be a leader and, and show them how to relax and, and have some fun. Then, you know, maybe maybe they maybe they win win more than they lose on the road here. No, for sure. And to give you an idea, the Phillies are twenty four and twenty three against the East. They've played Greg twelve less games against Eastern Division opponents than the Braves have. Yeah. They've also played six more against the the Central, where they're. 18 and 12. The Braves are 12 and 10. Uh, they've played, seems like a good amount more against the West. They played a lot more interleague games. So the Braves have a lot of interleague left. Interestingly enough, the Phillies have played, it seems like the most games against right handed starters and the least against lefties, but they actually do pretty well against lefties. They're 13 or they're 12, 15 and 13. Both the Braves and the Nationals are sub-500 against left-handed pitchers. And you know what the Phillies don't have on their starting staff, Greg? Mm. Lefty starters. <laughs> well, they technically have Ranger Suarez, but he comes up and down. So, But still, I think, uh, no, it's a really good point. I mean, the fact that they and the Nationals, the Nationals play are 26 and 26, that they have so much Eastern teams, that they have, so many Eastern teams that they have to play, uh, I think might come to their advantage down the stretch, but they definitely need to figure this road thing out because it's oh, yeah. gonna it's gonna bite them in the ass if they oh, don't. Yeah. And and for example, Jordy, uh, for example, the Red Sox only have one series left with the Rays, and that's in August. So they're done. They will be done playing the Rays 
in August. They will they will not play the Rays again. Uh, they played. They have one three game set with Toronto in September, and one three game set with Baltimore, and then two series versus the Yankees. So they are essentially done with their interdivision play. And the Phillies, to their advantage, almost have so many games against their division that it it like you said they need to take advantage of it and use it. So with that said, Jordy, keeping this this whole question and answer thing going. Looking at this, looking at this, uh, you know, we did this last year. We did what's their what's their number? What's their what's what's their thing coming down the stretch? You know, if you remember, we we had this. Give me a prediction here. Will they? Will they? Won't they? Let's just let's just end out August. Do they end August in first place? I think so. They granted six it. of their last ten games in August are going to be on the road. Technically, if you count tonight, it's on the road too. I think they do well against the Washington Nationals. Isn't this game tonight technically a home game? Technically, it's a home game, but it, it's because I don't think so they those, count neutral sites games. But so for those who don't know, the Phillies are currently playing in a little league uh, or a minor league baseball park uh, in conjunction with the Little League World Series, uh, and also sort of starting the whole like nickname Jersey Night thing or whatever. So um, yeah, the Players Weekend, which I think is next weekend. Sorry, continue. No, so yeah, they go to Washington, then they go to Toronto, uh, then they go, then they host Washington. But I mean, you've Vince Velasquez facing Tanner Roark, and Tanner Roark hasn't been out. He's been good. He hasn't been outstanding. He's eight and twelve. Uh, then you face Strasburg, who's been injury prone. The Phillies do decent against him. Then you got Nola versus Scherzer on Thursday. Yeah, uh, what a which that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one to watch. Low scoring though, so I mean. You can take advantage there, and if Velasquez and Eflin have pitched like they have recently in, in late July and in August, you're going to get a good starting from both of them. So you just got to – this has been the key for them in pretty much every game is get on base early and just string something together. What the Phillies did a couple weeks ago that that's worked out for them so well was they moved Herrera and Franco to the bottom half of the lineup and it gave them almost a second heart. And Franco and, and Herrera started to clean up there. Now, Herrera has been pretty streaky, and they've started to give Roman Quinn a little bit more starts and everything. And they've also been playing a lot of baseball, so that's part of it as well. They get a day off tomorrow to go down to Washington and all that. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how everything goes. Then you get Arietta Pavetta and Velasquez up in Canada against a Toronto team that really doesn't, well, it doesn't seem like they care that much anymore. Listen, Jordy, how much have I said playing in Toronto is the worst? I've said it time and time again on this podcast. True. That's really true. It, so we'll it, see. It's only the worst because you got the turf field, the ball bounces all over the place. The the Red Sox and Yankees, for whatever reason, this year being inside, they cannot win games in Toronto. And, and the Phillies historically are terrible, terrible interleague baseball team. <laughs> so well, they're eleven and six this year. It's like their franchise best interleague series. Yeah, well, that's because Gabe. That's because Gabe the Babe is the best. The best outside Alex Cora, the best. So, anyway, but Toronto is very easy. Very, as you mentioned, they're not. They're not. They're not a team that's really in it or interested anymore. Tell me what you think about Kevin Pillar. I think I hate him as much as a as a, the former Philly right fielder who doesn't wear gloves and and. Has his socks above his knees. Oh, Hunter Pence? <laughs> K- 
Kevin Pillar reminds you of Hunter Pence? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes. Oh. I refuse. I've never really watched Kevin Pillar that much, so I can't I, comment. But I refuse. Why to don't say, you like Hunter Pence? I refuse to say the, the former Philly. Because he eats spaghetti with a spoon? I refuse to say his name. He's a clown. Because he was on Fuller House? Because he's a clown. He looks like a clown. He is a clown. Everything about his him. His favorite movie is Godfather 3. We need some answers here, Greg. He's a clown. He's, a, he's always been a clown. He looks like a clown. Anyway, Jordy, last question about the Phillies here. Plain and simple. Okay. Break it down for me. Have I or have I not been correct about the Little League Baseball Park that they play in Philly, which is the reason why they've been winning games at home? Greg, I've never denied that <laughs> Citizens Bank Park is a hitter's ballpark. It is. It has always been conducive to left-handed hitting. Case in point. Your fat ass catcher hits a bomb on Tuesday night and then takes his sweet ass time trotting the bases. Third third home run of the season. Third home run of the season, guy. Third home run of the season. It's guy, a lefty's ballpark. Guy Look what the played. fucking Mets did on Thursday. They teed off on the Phillies. Uh, it's a lefty's ballpark. I've never denied that. That's why Jim Tomey did so well here. That's why Ryan Howard did so well here. I can't. Uh, uh, all right, Jordy. I'm rooting for the Phils. I'm pulling for the Phils. Uh, the Red Sox play the Braves, so hopefully we take care of three games from them or two games from them for you guys yeah. there. Yeah, help help yeah. a guy out. Yeah, always do. Um, what's next here? Do you got any? Uh, you got any bleacher creatures? Uh, well, uh, obviously it's literally World Baseball season, so we have a ton of great just kids that have gone viral. Obviously big Al is the one he, he took a picture with Reese Hoskins today. So everybody's really excited about that one. Uh, but I want to talk about the kid from Spain. That's that's six, one, 245 pounds throws absolute gas and he can't hit though. That's the crazy thing. Yesterday against Canada, they were, he comes up to the plate. He's their four hitter, of course, because he looks like he should be, the left fielder for the Cubs or somebody or any team. I just said the Cubs because they were wearing bluish jerseys. But, I mean, <laughs> he gets thrown three curveballs and looks dummied against all of them. Well, isn't that always the case whenever there's a super, super, super tall kid in Lily World Series, he just looks like a fool every time, gets struck out every time? Yeah, I mean, I, I can the only ones I can remember – were remember like Saudi Arabia used to always make the world the Little League World Series and they dye their hair. I can remember yeah. they were all like they were all giants too. Yeah, they I mean, never did well, but they also like from Saudi Arabia. They don't play a lot of baseball there. I don't yeah, think. but they were they were American. They were on an American. They were Americans on like an American base or whatever. So anyway, yeah. oh, is that what it was? Yeah, they were they were like military. So. They were military kids. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the the point being that. I always thought the bigger kids never did well, but you're right. You would think that a kid that tall would would be able to one throw gas and to uh, get a hold of a fastball or even do anything. So um, my my I obviously love the Little World Series. Having gone there twice myself, um, shout out to you, big fan. Shout out to me, obviously, always. Mm-hmm. I have loved what the Major League Baseball has done the last two seasons uh, in taking the Phillies go twice in a row. No, last year was the Pirates and the Cubs. Yeah. Okay. So in taking these major league players and having them go to go to the Little League Park, 
walk around in the stands, interact with the kids, interact with the fans, uh, you know, really. And the minor league, the minor league park aside, you know, it's kind of cool. They only they only have little, they only invite the teams in the Little League World Series and their families to watch the Major League Baseball game at the minor league park, which is kind of cool. But it's just one of those things where I I think it's great because the kids seem so happy, so excited to to meet and see the major league players and in and especially the Mexican kids and, and all the and even the Asian kids and, and everyone they get to meet people in, in in America they get to see people of their own nationality uh and that aren't their parents so it's a good little break for them and, and a good chance for them to to well, see and the players know it too. Oh yeah for sure. Like Carlos Santana went up to went up to a bunch of kids from his home country and was loving it. Like the entire team jumped in and he like he looked like a proud parent. It was so cool to see that. I love it. I love it. Um, any stadium snacks? Yeah, I'm pulling up a couple now. I do want to uh, get follow up. I did go on the Full Belly Laughs podcast last week. That won't be up until September because uh, he has a few different podcasts he has to drop that were a little more time sensitive. So I did promise everybody I'd let you know when that comes out. So when it does, uh, when it actually comes out, I'll, I'll share a link to it. But Wanted to give you guys an idea on that. It was a ton of fun. We uh, definitely had a lot of laughs there, and it was uh, definitely a cool, cool conversation to have. What's it called? Full Belly Laughs. It's a Philadelphia podcast that uh, talks about food. I love it. That's awesome. That sounds awesome. Did you guys talk yeah. about? Uh, did they rip you for for like in cheesesteak? No, no cheese. Oh, we didn't get that far. I didn't tell them my uh, food preferences. <laughs> I didn't get that far. I defended hot dogs on it to give everybody an idea. Oh, love hot dogs. Uh, you'll make my roommate so happy. Yeah. I can't wait I to, love the room. to listen to it. <laughs> um, but, Greg, I got to tell you about this sandwich. Actually, uh, just as a quick aside, my roommate slash my girlfriend goes, Greg may not be able to listen to you on this podcast that Full Belly Lasts without just drowning in his own saliva because how much you love hearing me talk about food. <laughs> Having said that, if if anyone if anyone hasn't heard at this point, you definitely haven't. If anyone hasn't heard Jordy describe food with his voice, that's so perfect for for you're, you're about to hear it. <laughs> I got a really good one, Greg, that I might need to fly down to Dallas to get. And of course, only in the place where they have the Texas State Fair would this sandwich come out at their ballpark. The Texas Rangers, Greg, serve a sandwich called the Triple B. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you some guesses of what the three B's stand for. All right. Uh, first guess is barbecue. Uh, there's technically four. So yes, barbecue is barbecue sauce is one. Okay. Second guess, I'm gonna go with uh, bacon. Yep. Third guess, uh, let's see, burger, beef. No. 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 Okay. So bacon, barbecue, bratwurst, barbecue, barbecue sauce. <laughs> barbecue is very broad. So I'm uh, I'm gonna give you that hint. Okay. Um, barbecue ribs. All right. I'm just going to tell you because we're going to be here all day. It's not the McRib. Don't worry. Although I'd love a McRib. But it's called the bacon, brisket, and bologna. I love it. It's topped with barbecue sauce. Mm. And Greg, you know the, the chicken sandwich at KFC that has – is it KFC or Wendy's that has the chicken breasts with the bacon in the middle? It's kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. It's – it looks like a Hawaiian bun. It's got 
crispy bacon strips. Now, now remember, this is all topped in barbecue sauce. So I think it's between every single layer. Bacon strips, slice of bologna, big thick slice, almost looks like a piece of Canadian bacon. Some brisket. Can't tell if there's cheese on there or not. Probably not because that might be gross with the uh, the bologna. Uh, or maybe not. But then another, then some more barbecue sauce. Then another slice of bologna. And then the bottom of the bun. <laughs> that sounds unbelievable, especially because I haven't eaten dinner yet. I love brisket. <laughs> we might have to fly down. Go Jordan, boost some yeah. Dallas Cowboys fans. I was going to say, when is the... The Red Sox don't go to Texas, and the Phillies don't go to Texas anytime soon. So no. we. <laughs> I did want to ask you this. Speaking of stadiums of uh, bleacher creatures, I'm looking at all of Texas right now, trying to figure out the Astros. Maybe the playoffs. Uh, if the Red Sox. All right. Now the Red Sox play the Astros at home. Sorry. Um, so the other day, I'm driving around Philly, me and uh, me and third and girl, and we see a guy that had a camo Eagles decal on his car and then on the other side of it says hell yeah i'm an eagles fan now my question to emily she's like oh that's a cool sticker she and i i said well why would you why would you have that in philly if you're trying to camouflage that you're an eagles fan and then you so proudly declare it why wouldn't you just have the the cam why wouldn't you camouflage your fandom like in dallas so is it like a transparent eagles or is it just like a camo like digital like it looks like one of those digi camo like like imagine the Patriots logo, the red, white, and blue, and all that. But yeah. instead of it red, white, and blue, it's camouflage. But still, like you can see the Patriot, Pat the Patriot, you can see his face and all that. But so it's just maybe, camo. Well, I mean, if we're being honest, camo doesn't really hide things, in, in, in unless you're in the actual like environment, right? So, uh, Greg, you're not getting my dad joke. I, I got your dad joke. I just. You're right. If you're in, if you're if you're if you're in Philadelphia, uh, yeah. you got to doesn't work. <laughs> you got to you got to you got to you got to wear it proudly. You got to enjoy you got to enjoy the the two month or the the one month left you have before uh, the the LA Rams going an absolute absolute destruction of the of the NFC. Um, but that's for a pod a, di- a different pod for a different day. Yes, we will have the NFL pods probably in a couple weeks. But uh, as we wrap things up, just look quickly ahead to next week. Uh, Greg, is there anything during the week you're keeping an eye out on? Any series? <laughs> um, well, sorry, as we live and breathe, the, the Phillies just uh... – Yeah, the Mets just score more runs. We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> uh, beginning of the week, middle of the week. Um... Houston and Seattle, big series. Damn it. Thought you were going to take the, the Red Sox hosting the Indians. Well, both teams are, are – yeah, I don't want to be too much of a homer. All right. But you That's can take, a good one. You can take Red Sox, Cleveland. I'll take that in the American League. NL, because I'm going to steal it from you. Dodgers hosting the Cardinals is going to be mine to keep an eye out on. I love it. Uh, I mean, Phillies, Phillies and Nationals, I mean – yeah, that's big. Phillies on the road. Nationals uh, could potentially be out. Huge pitching matchup matchups. Uh, it's a huge yeah, series. Thursday, Thursday during the day. It's on ESPN Plus. If you want to pay for that, <laughs> seven seven days free. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I don't. We don't have a code, and I'm not going to give a code unless they pay us for one. Um, no free ads. Yeah, no free ads. Next, this weekend. Yeah. What are you looking out for? 
Well, the St. Louis Cardinals head to the Colorado Rockies. Yeah, that's probably the biggest one out of this entire weekend slate. Um, I'm going to go with Seattle and in Arizona because yeah, that's, that's going to be pretty good. It's a huge series in Houston. Yeah, it's like a, it's a bizarro world world series. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you never know. It could happen. Yeah, you never know. Jordan, uh, I love it. I love uh, it. But I, uh, I know I need to go watch the Phillies getting demolished by the Mets. I know you need to eat. And my descri- my description of the triple B might have just tipped the scale. Ah, so, so, Greg, I appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we were able to do this Sunday night pod. Uh, everybody, keep an eye out. Maddie D and I are going to try to record another college football pod this week before I go out to Seattle for my cousin's wedding, which should be a lot of fun. But keep an eye out for that. Follow us on all the social medias, ThunderBLG on Twitter, Thunderbug Sports on Facebook and Instagram, ThunderbugSports.com. Humble brag. Yeah, I'm going to Seattle. Not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. I got to take a red eye, though, next Monday. That's going to suck. Hey, Jordy. Hey, Greg. So what was the Instagram again? Thunderblog Sports. And what was the Twitter? ThunderBLG. Yeah, I haven't, haven't seen a lot of tweets lately. Uh, yeah, I do some on my personal account, and uh, we'll do some on the the Thunder BLG. I got to be better at switching between the two. Well, um, you, you get a lot of stories, but not a lot of uh, like poster tweets. But no, no, that's a, that's good criticism. It's fair. I also did want to ask you this one last question, then I'll let you leave. A lot of people were putting up on on the social media on Thursday that the Patriots got their revenge against the Eagles. Do you feel avenged from the Super Bowl loss by winning in the preseason? No, Jordy. People who say that are not real. They're they're <laughs> ESPN media, and they're not they're not real Patriot fans. They're like I saw people that are fans, not, not ESPN people. I saw people that are fans say, no, "Take that, fools!" No, 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 no. If you're saying that, you I mean, you're just a clown. You're just a clown. Was Is that a clown question? <laughs> it's a clown statement, bro. A clown question. What a terrible. Oh. Ugh. All right. With that, I'm going to go let Craig eat. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Go, Greg. Thank you. Go, Pats. Go, Phils. Go, Sox.